NBA Draft. This is your exclusive home for Phoenix Suns basketball. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NBA Draft Special. With the 17th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Los Angeles Lakers select Jalen Hood Shafino from Indiana University. Bobby Marks, player profile. A big combo guard with a versatile skill set. Hood Shafino excels in the mid-range game, both as a scorer and facilitator. He uses his strong frame to create space on offense and is a physical, rangy defender with quick hands. All right, there's a, a way to kick off our second hour of this half of the show, but really, I guess, what, our fourth hour of uh, NBA Draft special here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Kellen Olsen's here. Hey. Not, not just to react to that Kellen. pick. Hi. Jalen Hood-Shafino. How's it going, buddy? Great. How about you guys? <laughs> not, We're just kind of waiting for something to happen, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's all these picks, but none of them have affected. People can't see it right now, but I'm too. twiddling my thumbs. It's, oh, I can that see it. That was pretty though. quick over there. Uh, it was an interesting uh, uh, figure for you. Mm-hmm. Five straight players listed at six foot four drafted in a row. This is a new trend. Brady Dick, Jordan Hawkins, Kobe Bufkin, Keontae George, Jalen Hood, Shafina. Wow. I'm 6'4 if I round down. Can I be in the NBA now? <laughs> I think you're eligible. You got eligibility yeah. left? No. <laughs> oh, that's a shame, too. Cause, yeah. I declared in 2017 it was very under the radar. Miami's on the clock right well now. They can me. totally take you. Yeah. Um, all right. You're just your, before we get into the Suns parts of this, we're just your initial reactions to what you've seen so far through the first 17 picks. Yeah, this is the part of the draft that I'm really going to start to keep an eye on because I think the the biggest thing for Suns fans specifically and people like myself covering the Suns and paying attention are looking at contenders in the West and seeing exactly what they do. So I know New Orleans was had a rough year last year, but Jordan Hawkins is a pretty great shooter, off-ball mover, things like that, that New Orleans can use pretty effectively with all of the star talent that they've got on the ball. Uh, Hood Shafino, they just went over for the Lakers. We've got the Warriors coming up in two picks, and then later on, I believe Memphis comes up, and then at the end of the first round, you got the Clippers. Like There are teams to keep an eye on here. Denver, of course, has has those three second-round picks, or, or sorry, three picks in the span of eight. They got 29, 32, and 37. So those are going to be picks you're going to be looking at uh, as well and just seeing how these other teams get better because uh, they will. That's how the draft works. Um, when you look at the Suns and you look at what they could potentially go after, we just had Kevin Zimmerman in here. Uh, you know Kevin from your own podcast that you do with him. <laughs> Who? Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Zimmerman. Um, he was kind of going through some of the, the potential moves the Suns could make, and those have been talked about. But I, I'm going to go a little bit deeper here with you. Give us, like, I don't know, three names to watch as we get towards... They're not going to be able to move into the first round, but as we get towards the second round, whether they're able to move up or even if they stay at 52 or they end up at 57 with Washington, just give us three names that that Kellen Olsen says just keep an eye on for the Suns. Yeah, so part of the conversation coming into this draft that I had noticed picked up in, in the last couple of weeks was just how many ready NBA players there are. And what I mean by that is there's a good chance you're going to draft someone who comes in. There's going to be... A bunch of guys picked here from 18 to 40, and seven or eight of them are going to be able to be instant contributors just based on the way this draft class looks out. Like Sometimes this part of the draft includes almost 18 and 19-year-olds who are very raw, like someone who is going to go here pretty soon as Jaime Jaquez Jr. out of UCLA, who is just going to be an instant contributor anywhere. And he's the type of guy that goes in this range and fits on a contender immediately.
immediately, and I spotlighted him for the Suns as a possibility if they were able to trade into the late 20s, early 30s. He might go earlier than that. There's been a lot of buzz about him recently going somewhere even sooner. So I, I don't really know about him specifically, and, and it's looking more like either 52 or a couple spots higher than that. I've been looking at a couple of different names. Uh, the Miami kid Miller has been heavily mocked in, in the last couple of weeks too. The Suns, it's a second round mock. I think guys are just throwing darts at that point. It's not really something with information, but you're just looking for basketball players, guys who are three, four year players with multiple skills that can come in and not someone who's going to maybe be a, a, a long shot, that a development project that didn't really work out in college and they're looking to rebound their career in the league. You're looking for guys who are established players at this point, so he's one for sure. I really like Jalen Clark out of UCLA as well. He might not even get drafted tonight, but Vinny, you watch some of those games where they played against ASU and he is arguably the best perimeter defender in this draft and he could potentially not get drafted because of the shooting concerns with him and is he a ball handler what does he do offensively but man he can really defend there's a lot of uh, mocks that I saw early on Kellen uh, Imadi Bates from Eastern Michigan who's had quite the the path to get to this point he was at one point the number one high school recruit in the country went to Memphis didn't work out a lot of baggage only 19 though uh, is, is that a name that makes sense if the Suns are drafting at 52 and if so is that a guy you think that can make a, a contribution? I, I'm not sure he could make a contribution on, on a championship contender. Well, that's the that's how you weigh these selections, right? Because you certainly look for guys who are going to be able to contribute right away, but at the same time with the limited avenues they're going to have over the next couple of years to get great talent. Like if you really believe in the kid and really believe in his development and all that kind of stuff, if he doesn't contribute for the first two years, but you believe by year three, year four, year five, he can be like a starter in the league, then sure, you, you take the kid and just believe in him for sure. And there are going to be teams that do that with some of these second round picks. There's a couple of guys like Amani Bates in, in that range for sure. So I, I see it as a possibility. I don't really know exactly where we're going to go because to be honest, the Suns haven't really given us a great indication in terms of the way that they draft. Like Jalen Smith wasn't necessarily a, a Suns James Jones type of pick necessarily. Cam Johnson was, and we've kind of learned what a Suns player is, but that doesn't always mean it's going to be the guy who they draft. All right, let's go to the podium. Miami just made their pick. With the 18th pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the Miami Heat select Jaime Jaquez Jr. from UCLA. All right. Jaime Jaquez Jr. Well, there's the name you were just talking about, one of the names right there, Kellen, and I think a name that a lot of people were hoping, obviously, he's not falling to the Suns if they couldn't get into the first round and he just went 18th, so that's nowhere near 52, but when this stuff was kind of being mocked out a few weeks ago, that's a guy that's yeah. established that a lot of us here watched frequently because he was at UCLA and it was a really good team and it's a Pac-12 team. That would have been a cool addition for the Suns, obviously, uh... You know, it just went 34 picks ahead of him. Yeah, so that's a really good pick for Miami. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't like, he fit in, Vinny, yeah, is it with what they do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he's just he's just a skilled offensive player, but the thing that really just separates him is one, how hard he works on the floor, and two, how smart he is. Like you would watch him and he has like this mid post isolation game that's not necessarily gonna translate to the league, but he's just a really smart player who knows where to be and works his tail off. I think he averaged over two and a half offensive rebounds per game, and we're not talking about the most athletic guy in the world. We're not talking about the biggest or the longest guy in the world, but he just works hard, knows where to be, knows where the ball is, and is just a really smart player and he just fits in tremendously with what Miami's done over the years. Wanna go back uh, to just the, the philosophy the Suns have to take here in this draft because for me, in the second round, that's where you swing for the fences. And a guy like Imani Bates is like, hey, swing for the fences. If you if you if you miss, then mm-hmm. you know, big deal. But they are in this unique spot now, like you're saying, Kellen, where you're trying to find immediate contributors 
after the first round of the NBA draft. That's not typically a, a path teams even try to follow. Um, as you take a step back and you look at like guys they could pick up as almost rookie free agents, basically for lack of a better term. How many think? How many rookies do you think end up on this team this year? Like, is the goal to just get one? Is I mean, it's possible they don't end up with any of them, and they just have to go with a bunch of vets. But is there is there a realistic number they're trying to hit? Well, that's the balance, right? And and what you look at and say, like, oh yeah, they could trade and, and acquire a pick here, and then they could buy another one there, and then they could take one there, and they got the two, and then all of a sudden they have five rookies on on their team. Like, that's not the way to build the team. They're going to have a lot of experience. They're going to need a lot of experience. But I do think that they need to start to develop their own players. I mean, look at someone like Ish Wayne. For example, who got better each year and developed for them, and now he, I believe, he's nearly just a rotation player in this league as as it stands right now. Like I think he has a chance to play next year with the current allotment and what we're kind of looking at. He certainly improved year to year, and that's the value that you get and the value that you can get in one of these picks. I just think it's more so about them trying to get younger wherever they can and, and using these picks for sure. I, I just don't think it's something to be overlooked by any means, especially again veterans minimum. There's a trade exception. They could trade DeAndre Ayton, but other than that, in terms of the next six weeks we're looking at, there aren't many other ways for them to add talent right now. It's weird. You almost have to use the end of your bench as your developmental system now because you don't... Obviously, you've gone all in, so your priority has to be now. So to your point, you can't be stockpiling rookies. But if you're not at least a little bit aware of how things might go in a couple of years, you're really going to be hurting in a couple of years. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on as well. And, and honestly, like I w- we'll get your thoughts on uh, both your guys' thoughts on this when we come back. But like, as long as you have Devin Booker, isn't your window kind of open? To a certain extent, like you would think guys are going to want to come here and play with Devin Booker. We've already seen it well after Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal are gone. Yeah, that's the other thing is you you hear all these conflicting uh, philosophies. Now, is Phoenix going to be a destination? Some people say yes. Gambo was reporting today. He's talked to several teams that believe, you know, those those veteran free agents that want to take the minimum to be a part of what they're building here, they'll, they'll come flocking here. And there's other people around the league that are like, no, people aren't going to take pay cuts to pay for the Suns. If, if play for the Suns if they've got options to make more money elsewhere for a, for a decent team. So yeah, there's probably the truth's probably somewhere in the middle there. But the thought that the people that established players would want to come here and play sure. You're also going to get playing time here. That's the weird thing. Typically yeah. on a good team, you're going to go and be the eighth guy on the bench. You're going to play here if you're good enough. Yes, but to your original point, Devin Booker's a magnet. Yeah. I mean, he brought Chris Paul here. He brought Kevin, brought Kevin Durant here. He brought Bradley Beal here. Bradley Beal could pick where he wanted to go and picked here. So, yes, th- there is certainly so an element theory, to that. In yeah. 2026, guys are still going to want to come here and play with Devin Booker yes. even after these guys leave. Well, it was it was an overlooked part of the Bradley Beal trade. Don't get me wrong. It was certainly not one of the top seven or eight takeaways from it, but you extended your window. Like that, That's what you effectively yes. did. Like you, you are going to have two of the elite scorers in the league in their prime still for the next three or four years. I would really assume, at least, unless Bradley Beal really has an ugly injury history ahead, ahead of him, and he's certainly not on that pace. Yes, he gets hurt from time to time, but it's nothing where you should expect him to start breaking down his early 30s by any means. And you've got that Kevin Durant guy who is still really good. Like I think that there's a really good shot that we're still looking at this backcourt six, seven years from now. Like We haven't really talked about that part either, and, and that is where the math starts to get a little crazy, but Durant towards the end of his career, Booker just entering his prime, Beal towards the tail end of his prime, but it's still very much in it. Like We could be looking at this backcourt for quite a long time, and again, it just really extended their championship window, and it was an important part of it where it Let's say Kevin Durant looks more like last postseason than three or four postseasons ago, for example. 
I don't think you're as worried now two, three years in time because you're like, Devin Booker and who else? Like, who else is around him? Mm-hmm. Like, Bradley Beal is around him, and that's pretty important. All right, when we come back. Uh, Golden State's on the clock. Golden State just traded for Chris Paul today, so we're going to get Kellen's reaction to that as well. Luke Lipinski, Vince Murata, and Kellen Olsen here with the NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NBA Draft Special. special. The Phoenix Suns select. The home of the Suns. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. With the 19th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Golden State Warriors select Brandon Pojemski from Santa Clara University. All right, welcome back. To the show here, it is the NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports. Luke Lipinski, Vince Murata, and Kellen Olson now sitting in with us as Golden State makes the 19th pick of the 2023 NBA Draft. And Kellen, it's a guy that you've been following pretty closely, Brandon Pajemski. So, Golden State gets him, and they get Chris Paul in the span of about, what, eight hours? Yeah, definitely added to their backcourt. It, it's crazy how these processes work and just like the different stories all these kids have. Pajemski didn't even start playing basketball until he was 14. So he's been playing basketball for six years now. Just at this point, he goes to Illinois as a freshman, hardly plays, transfers. He's the guy at Santa Clara, their best player. He's the best player on a really good team. And then he goes in the first round of the NBA draft, just like that. He can really really shoot my one of my favorite stats I found when like looking through these guys last week or two and looking at late first round early second round like where we thought maybe the Suns could potentially wind up is that 44% of his threes were unassisted meaning he was taking a lot on his own and he shot 44% from three. Oh, good so they got a shooter yeah they About got time they got one of the best shooters in the draft but the critical thing for him in the swing thing I mentioned the Illinois thing on, on purpose because he went to that school and just like couldn't fit in in like a more of a supplementary role, couldn't emerge out of the rotation. Then he goes to Santa Clara where the ball's in his hands all the time and it went really well. So can he go to Golden State where, to mention Chris Paul, to mention Steph Curry, to mention Clay Thompson, to mention Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, he's not going to have the ball that much at all, but can he space the floor as a shooter, make smart plays elsewhere? Athleticism is like the main reason he's sliding to this point because he can really score and he can really shoot. The most amazing thing you said in all of that, Kellen? Hmm. A kid who started playing basketball. Can you imagine? Imagine being that good at something. At twenty. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) how how does it happen where? You find something you love so much and you're so good at, but for the first 14 years of your life, like, did he see other people playing basketball and be like, ah, that would never work? And then he picked one up and he's in the NBA. Vince, can you imagine something you started doing six years ago getting you drafted by Golden State? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so Golden State got a shooter. San Antonio got a big man, so we're we're right on track here for this. Uh, yeah, the third splash brother out. They bring in the third one yeah. on draft day, just like That's that. Perfect. Replace them instantly. So happy for both those teams. I'm sorry. That's really not your fault, Kellen. You're not dictating the draft yeah. lottery and how this breaks down. All right, so you mentioned Chris Paul in there, and that happens uh, earlier today. They go out, they get Chris Paul. It is, we were talking earlier, kind of an odd fit in some ways just for how Golden State likes to run their offense, and it's pretty successful when they run their offense the way they like to run their offense. But at the same time, it does feel like Chris Paul's going to get another shot at a title, depending on how they, they are able to work this out. 
Yeah, it's I, I don't really know how to feel about it, but I'm just fascinated by it because you mentioned the offense. They pretty much didn't run pick and roll that much at all last year. And as Suns fans know, that's all Chris Paul does. And look, you do not acquire Chris Paul without running pick and roll. So they are going to run some pick and roll now. But you look at the fit and it's like, okay, he's going to be playing some minutes with Steph Curry. Is he going to start? Imagine that matchup with the Suns and how they would defend Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. That would go, are, is one of them going to guard a center? And then are they going to play small? Like, they they have, <laughs> They've had a, they'd have a lot of questions right away to sort of figure out. But even if Chris comes off the bench, it's like, man, Chris Paul coming off the bench, I don't know. And all of this just kind of ties it back to something I brought up earlier with uh, Gambo and Ring. Is that you, do you guys remember the D'Angelo Russell trade from a couple of years ago? Where you're yeah, like, that doesn't make any sense on the court. And then we realized it was more of an asset play than anything else. And that's what this was. They wanted to get off the long term money of Jordan Poole, however possible, because they want to resign Draymond Green. I, this kind of trade just signals that Draymond Green is more or less going to be back. Yeah. They, they fully expect him to be back and Chris Paul is essentially a one-year expiring contract for them but the interesting thing is Chris could re-up into that they could accept that team option for the fourth year and then have a movable 30 million dollar contract as well which by the way would it somehow end with Chris Paul getting all 120 million of that deal which I don't think any of us could have ever (laughs) predicted but now there's actually an outcome where that happens but I think the main thing for us to focus on and looking at the Suns is that it's the Warriors' big move of the offseason, probably. Did it make them much better, if if at all? I, I think it's too early to say. I, I, I don't know. Just the, the idea of Chris Paul coming off the bench, something he's never done. He's played in 1,214 regular season games and started every single one of them. And the, and the same is for, for the play, in the playoffs, too. All right, let's go to the podium here. Houston has another pick at 20. With the 20th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Cam Whitmore from Villanova University. Bobby Marks, player profile. The 6'7 forward is an elite above-the-rim player and one of the most powerful dunkers in this class. He is an aggressive driver who puts a lot of pressure on the rim and excels in transition. Whitmore can handle the ball in transition, has a nice touch from the mid-range, and is a high-energy player that can defend all over the court. Well, I'm sticking by my assertion that I said earlier, Luke. Yeah? The Houston Rockets right now is currently constructed of the most athletic basketball team that's ever been assembled. It feels like they've kind of been that or hinting at that for a couple years. Every time the Suns play them, you're like, wow, these guys don't know where they're supposed to be, but they're really athletic. And then you add Thompson and Whitmore to that? Goodness gracious. Uh, Cam Whitmore, who I remember distinctly seeing in a mock draft last week at number four. I don't know (laughs) what changed between that and now. It sounds like medicals is is what's coming out. That's where we get into a very gray area. I can't remember what what local situation here was the Suns or someone else where we were trying to track down medicals and we ran into that really complicated. It was during all the COVID stuff and we were like, can you report on this kind of stuff? And that's where like the, the HIPAA stuff kind of comes up and it gets kind of weird. So I think that's why we haven't really seen much reporting on it. But Jeremy Wu, who covers the draft for ESPN, said it's more or less been a medical-based thing. And that's okay. it's got to be that because he was a unanimous top five pick coming into the week and then all of a sudden slides this far. That's that's always points towards medicals. That's a boomer bust. It's a great pick for Houston because they have, to Vinny's point, they have like nine guys that are this talented, and it's yes. just like who are going to be the three best guys out of the group? I have no idea, and they've got to figure it out somehow. The in-season tournament that Adam Silver wants should just be all the Rockets players playing against each other for roster spots. <laughs> That's, and I would watch that. I would be absolutely all in on that. Brooklyn has two picks right here, and you might be asking yourself, how did Brooklyn get two picks? Well, this one, of oh, course, is going to be the Phoenix Suns pick. And so whoever this is, 
As long as Kevin Durant is better than this guy this year, it was worth it. Surely it's not going to go bad as the last pick that they gave Brooklyn, which was the Landry Shamit pick uh, that they gave them for that pick. Yeah, that, being, that really kind of brought the show to screech. Herbert Jones oh, okay. <sighs> Change the subject here. I, I'm really interested to see what happens at this point in the draft because they've got 21 and 22, and they're in a weird position where they've got Mikel, who in my opinion is a future all-star, and they've like got their franchise piece going forward just with what he sh- showed shown has shown in Brooklyn they've got Cam Johnson who I presume they are going to match on regardless of what happens but okay what direction do you go in here do you kind of take your time or do you like try and package these picks for a vet to go next to these kind of guys that you've got and try and make a push towards being more competitive than more slowly kind of allowing the rebuild to unfold on its own with the picks that you've got I'm interested to see what they do and we're at that weird point in the draft where it's been like seven minutes since the last reported picks you're kind of like ooh, is there a trade going on you start to get mildly excited at least a little bit with the way this draft's going. My goodness. There there hasn't been a lot of trades. I mean, there was a couple early. There hasn't been like Just any boring like shakeups. one or two spots, like NFL yeah. draft stuff. Ugh. Yeah. Washington moved <laughs> up one spot. Like, oh, wow. I'm really... Dramatic. Anytime the Washington Wizards are dominating the headlines for a week... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess that's uh, that says something right there. Hey, they're in another headline today too that has nothing to do with the draft. Oh, well, there you go. The, uh, the Qatari fund yeah. uh, is now investing in the Washington Wizards. Oh, wow! All right, yeah. So they're they're getting uh, money from Qatar. More well, on that. Yeah. No, wait, no. <laughs> Tell us more, not. Vinny. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> I don't have a lot. A, a minor investment, but you're like for all the live golf people that are like, uh oh, are they coming after? Other American sports, yeah. it's not Saudi money, but it's it's Middle Eastern money. It's not quite basketball, but it is the Washington a trend, Wizards. Certainly a trend that seems to be building here. Well, all right. Um, so you've got that. They've got that going for them, which <laughs> I guess is nice. So we got Brooklyn on the clock here for a couple picks. Portland after that. Sacramento, Memphis. Um, we have seen we've seen a little bit of movement at the top of the Western Conference. Not a little bit, really, with Chris Paul going to Golden State and obviously Bradley Beal going to the Suns. Um, those are big teams. Teams making pretty significant moves, and it's certainly possible that another big move is coming for the Suns, although I would say the way this is going, it's probably not going to happen tonight with DeAndre Ayton, but when we come back, we'll get uh, into the possibilities there. Luke Lipinski, Vince Murata, and Kellen Olsen here with the NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NBA Draft Special. Here comes the commissioner to the podium right now to make this official. The home of the Suns. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. With the 21st pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Brooklyn Nets select Noah Clowney from the University of Alabama. Bobby Marks. Play a profile. A high-energy big man with excellent defensive versatility. Clowney is long and agile, switches, and rotates quickly to block shots. He has floor spacing potential, a fluid stroke, and has a quick release. He is at his best, finishing at the rim. All right. That's, again, in case you're just joining us, would have been the Suns' pick had they not made the trade with Brooklyn for Kevin Durant. So no At least that slot. Yes, that yeah. slot. That's true. So, um, and Brooklyn's right back on the clock. But to here. your point earlier, Luke, will Kevin Durant be better than Noah Clowney this year? <laughs> That's what we're watching this year. <laughs> just this year, right? If you're, if you're in win-now mode, as the Suns are, you just need Kevin Durant to be better than what, Noah Clowney. Similar builds. Clowney's listed at 6'10", 205. 
Maybe they're trying That's to recreate that. Slender. Hey, when he's coming to in five years, remember who said <laughs> slim, it first. This slim guy Reaper right two. here. <laughs> All right, Kellen Olsen is in here with us. Luke Lipinski and Vince Murata. The Suns have, look, <laughs> I don't want to say this like the Suns aren't active enough. Every like few weeks, Matt Ishbia does something wild. He's already traded for Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. And we were looking at the... Uh, the landscape of the draft picks they're going to have for the next, what is it, seven years after tonight? And they have zero second rounders and four first rounders that can all be pick swapped by Washington. So he's been active. Oh, yeah. In in the last couple hours, he has not been active. The Suns have not been active. That's right. What are you doing over there? (laughs) We demand big moves every five days. Um, All right, Kellen, since you're in here. Let's talk about something that you've never talked about before, and that is DeAndre Ayton <laughs> and the possibility Who? that he might someday get moved. What? Let me start with this. Wait, wait, go ahead. Possibly. Again. Wait. DeAndre Ayton yeah? is a son. Yeah. At some point in his career, he might not be a son. Why would that happen? Well, there's one or two reasons. Let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you this question. And let's get into it. Right? Yeah. Yes. For the next 10 minutes, we're diving deep on DA. Um I don't even know how to ask this. When are we ever going to know that he is a son? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's what everyone is, for those listening to the show right now, that's pr- probably why you're still listening at this point, right? You're kind of waiting to hear if DeAndre Eaton's going to get traded right now. I, I just want to be clear. I'm not even asking about tonight. Like four years from now, if he's still in the Suns, you're going to be saying he could get traded at any minute, though. Uh, once he fulfills his potential, oh boy. I think that's, that's, a, that's a the answer, right? And it has been a long time. But I mean, speaking of tonight, these are the parts of the draft that we were kind of looking at when we were trying to look for DA trades in terms of teams that made sense for him to go to, had prior interest in him, were reported to him or whatever, and the picks around this range. So you're looking at Indiana at 26, Charlotte is up at 27, and then they're up again at 34, 39, and 41. San Antonio is at 33. There was a report from Jake Fisher last week that was saying the Spurs might be looking into starting centers so Wembenyama doesn't get the wear and tear and just get beat up for three years once his before his body starts to fill out a little bit more naturally to play center. That's where you could look at a deal with the Suns, perhaps. The Pacers are again, I believe, at 30, actually 32 is Denver's, but then we mentioned Orlando as well at 36. There's been some rumors around DA there. Boston is now at 35, but with Porzingis and in Boston, we, we, we kill that one. So I'm I'm not ready. Like people have been asking me, like when can we not like think this is going to happen anymore tonight? Like I would say, like once 41 or 42 goes by, I think that's when we're kind of looking at it being absolutely done for the night. We'll see. I I don't know in terms of the long term picture. I don't know because we talked about this so much when he didn't sign his contract initially, when he didn't get that extension and was going to go into restricted free agency. Mm-hmm. We knew we were going to talk about it all year, and then when he came back that summer, last summer. I think a lot of us expected that he was going to be gone. And then he was back, and it was like, oh, well, this this doesn't change the conversation. And here we are a year later again. So the only real answer to that is that he fulfills his potential. And it's part of why on the Empire of the Suns podcast we've been talking about for weeks, Kevin is is more in favor of not necessarily keeping him, but sees the reasoning behind keeping him. Yes, I don't see it nearly as much just because of what the shortcomings have been for him. I understand the Vogel appeal and how he could fit in and really help them there, but at the same time, 
all of these weaknesses that are coming up for him are the same ones I talked about on the same draft show that I was on five years ago. Like, it's the same, <laughs> it's the same stuff that is coming up for him right now. And that's where I cause, where I force hesitation on and just say, man, another year of Kevin Durant. Like that's, that's what you're talking about here. And look, if DA doesn't play consistently, they can't win the championship if yeah. he's on the team. Like that's yeah. just how it works. And not only that, but tie in the finances of all of it, paying your fourth best option at, at best, your fourth best option offensively. $32.7 million per year. And now you take away the the key cog in unlocking DeAndre Ayton offensively. It was the pick-and-roll game with Chris Paul. He's gone. Yeah. So what are you going to get offensively from, from DeAndre Ayton next year? Um, you know, does he become more of a one-dimensional or you know two-dimensional player in those dimensions being defense and rebounding where just you, you, you kind of forfeit the offense at this point i don't i don't know it, it it's it's a fascinating discussion well, back to the conversation. And, fr- and frustrating at the same well, time. Fascinating and frustrating. There's got to be a word for both of those. Well, that's where you get into the discussion of, are they going to, if they trade DeAndre, are they going to get a better center in place of him? No, they're not going to. No. But are they going to get a better fit? I think there's a very Maybe. good chance that they could, and mm-hmm. people are going to hear that and be like, well, this and that and this and that. With this team and the three guys that they have, the number one most valuable skill for the center, first of all, screen setting. DeAndre is not one of the best screen setters in the league. He has gotten better with time, and a lot of the angle stuff that he worked over with Chris and Devin has gotten better, but he's not one of the best there. He's not one of the best diving and, and rim rollers in terms of his versatility. Like The floater improvement for him over the last two years was important for him just so he had some options on the short roll, but not one of the best rolling centers in the league. And then you go to the defensive end and just everything that goes into being a defensive center is he one of the best defensive centers in the league? Certainly not after the way he played last year. I think coming off the 2021 finals, I would have been like, yeah, and he's a top five center in the league as well. But we're not in 2021 anymore. And that was a little short, tiny sample size in hindsight over the grand scheme of things with his five-year career. So you could bring someone in who's a veteran who makes $4 million and they could be an excellent screen setter, a fine defensive player, and a whatever finisher. And they would still be, in my opinion, like on the same trajectory in terms of the impact if we get the DeAndre we saw last year, which is the... What this conversation always go, goes back to. Talk about DeAndre Ayton for five minutes without using the word if. <laughs> no, his middle name should be if at this point. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. Brooklyn is making another pick. Let's go back to the podium here. With the 22nd pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the Brooklyn Nets select Derek Whitehead from Duke University. Bobby Marks, play a profile. Whitehead has good size and length for a wing. He is a versatile shooter with three-point range, very smooth with the ball, and has the size and tools to be a multi-positional defender. All right, so Brooklyn's made a couple picks. Noah Clowney out of Alabama and Derek Whitehead out of Duke. So we are now on pick 23. The Portland Trailblazers are on the clock. They have already drafted Scoot Henderson at number three tonight. Uh, getting back to that DA conversation, Kellen, and, and the idea that most likely, if a trade's going to happen, it's going to happen. If if a trade is going to happen tonight involving DA, it's probably going to happen before the second half of the second round. What does a DA trade, if it happens tonight, look like? Because the thought, and it was floated out there, hey, they're going to try and trade him and move up into the lottery. Well, that's obviously passed. Um, now you're looking at teams that have been linked to him in the past that are you know coming up here and, and potentially making picks. But I would assume they're not trading D.A. for any of these picks. So what does it look like in your mind if it does happen? 
First thing, random fun subplot. Chris Murray out of Iowa, twin brother of Keegan Murray. He plays for the Kings. The Kings are up in two picks. Will they take the twin uh, brother and, and unite them together? Isn't that the way it works? Like they each get 15% better by being with their twin? Isn't that how it works? Isn't oh, that yeah. on there? We know that in Phoenix. Isn't that yeah. on the scouting report for everyone? <laughs> they, get when, the, they get the same contracts and everything yeah, and when, all together. They just get one lump of money and get to split it up how they see fit. Sorry, I thought it was at least cute and worth mentioning. Whatever, <laughs> never mind. I'll talk about DeAndre Ayton some more. Here yes, we go. what are you right. doing? We're paying Sorry. you to talk Ayton. Oh my gosh, I'm not fulfilling my end of the bargain. No. Gambo has been saying rotation players back, unless they can get rotation players back. Yes. And I don't think that his trade value is so bad at this point that you can't get two serviceable players. Now, that's the thing. I'm using serviceable there. Like, I'm talking about the seventh, eighth guy in your rotation. Now, do the Suns want to take a hit on his value to that extent? Because I understand the thinking behind selling him while he's at his lowest is just the wrong way to go about it. I do understand that, but you're working on a limited time frame here at the same time. So I do believe if you can get two players in and a pick that will ultimately be useful to you and be guys that will help you win games, I, I think that you should do it. But again, it is such a difficult window to find one, a team that is willing to take on DeAndre's money because not many centers are getting that much money right now, even one like him who has the promise that he does. Two, just like has the opening for him, right? Like has the place for him and has the sort of outlook with their team where they would be willing to take him on. And three, has in return what the Suns want. I think that's why we're still kind of waiting here at this point and exactly kind of what comes up. That, that Shams report was interesting in the way that he worded it. I believe he said attainable was the word. And they were kind of, teams were kind of checking in to be like, hey, so how's the price looking on DA? So I, I, that makes a ton of sense. Teams are interested in DA, but they don't want to pay not a premium, but just the price that you would kind of want in return for the guy who's your maximum cent, maximum contract center, former number one overall pick. How much, if any of this, is complicated by the calendar? Because that contract extension uh, that was matched by the Suns was July 15th. And if I remember correctly, anything before a year calendar-wise, he's got veto power. But then you got the new CBA kicking in on July first. I mean, how do you how, how does that all weigh into the into the stew of things? That could very well be what we're waiting for, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that's been so difficult about this entire process is that the reports are kind of all over the place. We hear from Woj that the market's lean, then we hear from Shams that teams are calling about it, and then we hear from Gambo that maybe not option one or option two for teams, but teams are going to be interested in him. And then we just know it's a matter of if the now we we know that offers are out there, but it's just a matter of if the Suns are willing to take them at the value that they're being given, and it could very well be coming down to that, that they've got a trade or two that makes sense, but they know they have to wait until July 15th. I I do think that we would know, and it would be one of those things where this trade cannot be finalized until Mm mid-July, until July 15th, and we would know because not only would the Suns want to know, but the team they're trading with would want to know going into free agency what their team looked like. Timing plays such a big role in all of this. Let's go uh, back to the podium here for Portland's pick. With the 23rd pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Portland Trailblazers select Chris Murray from the University of Iowa. Come on! Bobby Marks, play a profile. The twin brother of Kingsport, Keegan Murray, Chris Murray is a combo forward with a solid feel for the game. He is a crafty scorer with a nice touch around the basket, will rebound and push the ball in transition, is a sturdy, dependable defender with good instincts. Right, well, to let the man play with his brother. Yeah. Come on. Boo. Pick ahead. Come on. 
That that timeless Portland Sacramento rivalry and it kicks in again. It rears its ugly head <laughs> at the twenty third pick of the twenty twenty three draft. He's a nice player. Portland did well for themselves tonight. It's just a matter of if they can get enough around Dame in this offseason to really compete. I think that's the big question going in for them. I, but I, I like the two I, players I, I, I got yeah, tonight. I, was a say, lot. I like the Scoot Henderson pick to be able to get him at three a lot. Uh, yeah, learning from Dame, you could do worse. Yeah, that's pretty pretty decent uh, mentor. Yeah. But does Dame want to stick there? Oh, coming up next. All right. Well, if you check Twitter three times a week, you will see that. Once again, Damian Lillard has committed to Portland long term. <laughs> I just get uh, notifications only when Dame says he wants to stay in Portland. I don't get any other notifications <laughs> on Twitter. All right, uh, Kellen Olson's going to stick around, even though we didn't ask him. Because you know what? It's just stick around. That's fun. You're going to be here anyway. Uh, Luke Lipinski, Vince Murata. It is the NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NBA Draft Special. The Phoenix Suns select the home of the Suns. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The 24th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Olivier Maxence Prosper from Montreal, Canada, the NBA Academy Latin America, and Marquette University. Bobby Marks, player profile. A versatile defender that has the ability to switch and defend bigger players with also the quickness to guard perimeter players. A high-energy forward that has the NBA frame and upside offensively to contribute right now for a team. Felt like we just went to the hockey draft there for a second. It felt like home, didn't six, it, Luke? Six, six, uh, six days early, Olivier Especially Max when, Prosper. When the French, uh, the French accent from Adam Silver came yeah. Olivier Max France Prosper. Yeah, he really, and then he got drafted by the Kings. Yeah, he loves the hockey. international game so much. Just a big international game that the NBA is. Just an international basketball game. So many international players on this international game of international basketball. The National International Basketball Association. Oh yeah, speaking. Uh, did you hear him open? He was like, he was talking about Jamal being from Canada and yeah. We get it. He is. He's leaning into the accents, and then when it's an American player, he's the like, global yeah. game. Yeah, really, that's only the third and the first twenty-four picks. That's only the third international player. Two from France, one from Canada, oh. and he played American college basketball. That sound you just heard was Adam Silver yeah. slamming the desk. Not enough. Not he enough. needs more. <laughs> the global game. He needs more. Uh, I want to finish one last thing on DA before we kind of turn to what we've seen now through the first twenty-four picks of this draft. So Sacramento ended up with that pick from Dallas, uh, Rashawn. Holmes going in that trade. So, yeah, that trade doesn't feel like it's complete yet, does it? No, it, know it is. Um, what's going da- to Sacramento? So yeah. Dallas is uh, using uh, their trade exception. They literally just got it in that Bertans deal earlier yeah. in the night. So they're using the trade exception. Using um, they're taking on that salary essentially okay. for Sacramento. Okay, so so Dallas gets the pick, and then Sacramento yeah. ends up getting. Yeah, and okay. Sacramento now, I believe, kind of becomes a team that all of a sudden could have a bit of cap room. They've got a Harrison Barnes thing to figure out right now, but uh, uh, Rashawn makes thirteen million, so not not cheap at all. Okay, and they get a a good roller for Luca in the pick and roll. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask on who on was GA. wasting away in Sacramento, by the way. Yeah, he didn't do much this past year. I know there was some off the court stuff, but there there's that kind of thing that happens in the league a lot, right? Where a guy who we, we see him in Phoenix, we're like, you're going to be good on a good team. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to a good team and he doesn't play. And you're like, oh, well, what? Yeah. And was it just the situation? Was it actually him? Now he gets to go to another good team. And this is really going to ultimately be kind of the team that kind of tells the tale of, of what he is. Because we mentioned at $13 million a year, like he got paid because he was playing really well yeah, for them. But once the Sabonis thing and the Mike Brown thing got rolling, he was not a fan of Mike. Mike Brown is not a fan of his, apparently. 
Um, the last thing on Aiton, before we get into where we are now, 25 picks in, Kellen, uh, and Vince just kind of said it, like maybe you bring him back and you're trying to make him into somebody who's great at defense and rebounding, essentially, right? Rim protection and rebounding, however you want to phrase it. That doesn't seem like something that would drive his value up uh, on the on the market if you had to trade him at the trade deadline or next year. And I guess that's my biggest thing is how do you get his value back up if this is going to constantly be a discussion? Because I don't want to sell him for pennies on the dollar. Like I don't want to trade him just to trade him. I disagree. I think he could average nine points per game and his value could triple or quadruple at really? the end of the year. Yeah, he can make first team all defense next year if he well, wants to. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if, if he does that. Hey, yeah. if he plays the defense he did from that postseason and he plays it for Frank Vogel on this team, he's going to make first team all defense and he'll be in the running for defensive player of the year. But then we don't want to give him up. I mean, if he's going to do that, right? Then at that point, you want to. But he has the potential to. And now we're back to the if ifs. We're if, if, if yeah. we would all be go. blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. We're just back again. We're like, how many segments can we do on Devin the guy? Hooker and how much have, do we just come back to the go back, that word? That. Go back to take a shot every time we say if. Early. At home. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> starting now. Sorry about your hangover. Um, go, go back hangover to the early. At the first possession of the game. Game. I believe it was game four. Yeah. Suns and Nuggets. Yes. And that was after game three. When Aiton found his way to the bench and there was audible groaning and booing from the crowd at Footprint Center and he didn't finish the game. And from Monty Williams. Yes, and from Monty Williams. Three offensive rebounds in the first possession. Kellen, you were in the building that night. You felt it. It was like, see, this is what he can do. And then it just kind of dissipates. He's like collectively our city's kid when it comes to basketball. When yeah. he does something like that, we're like, see, I told you, he's a good guy. And then when he does, and when he does the other stuff, you're yeah. like, oh, well, come on, yeah. Junior. <laughs> yeah, Junior. There's right. something to be said for what he has done to, I, I don't want to be too dramatic here, but like basketball discourse in general, because you know what would happen, Vinny, is when he would have moments like that, we felt like we had to point it out every time to give him credit. Uh-huh. It's like, are we, are we giving him credit for, for trying? But yes, we should, because that's what's the most important part to his game. It's not necessarily trying, but being fully engaged, having the effort there at all times, and having the focus there at all times, because you mentioned that game four, the first thing I think of was game three. Yeah. When, when he just was fully just like lost completely, like lost on the floor. And, and that's the, been the thing with him and talking about him and having these discussions about him is just how do you properly assess him and how do you criticize him and give him credit? And it's just been this like really, it's been unlike any other player that I've covered for the Suns like by far. And I, I think that's going to remain the case. It's just been so all over the place. And it just got more complicated with the trade too. I don't think anybody... You know, we talked about changing roles after Kevin Durant got to town, and Chris Paul's role changed. He got more catch and and shoot looks, certainly, and and the ball was not in his hands as much. But things changed a lot for DeAndre Ayton there, too, and and the response wasn't good. And the Game 3 benching was warranted. I don't think there's even the most staunch DeAndre Ayton defender would say, yeah, he probably should have been on the bench to end that game. Do you remember how many games we had like that for the past three or four years with him where it's like, I don't think he should close it, but he he had to. He had to close it because they were relying on him so much, and it just eventually built to this point where Jock get in there and... And Jock sounded like he said me, right? And then, yep. Yep. Maybe on in there, Jock. Trading for him because they're all listening to our show right now. And they're like, I'm supposed <laughs> to trade for this guy? Listen to how they're talking about him in Phoenix. I think that's part of what really happened, though. When, it, when that Inside the NBA segment happened, showing the clip of him staring at the rebound when Jokic got it up, yes. I was like, this is different. We haven't seen him. We, we'd see the Shaq clips of him talking about, like, I need to see the guy dominate. I need to see him get 20 and 20 or whatever. But we never saw the conversation center around what we talked about here. And then once it was happening on a national level, and we were seeing NBA Today first take talk about Aiden's effort and engagement and focus, I was like, oh man, like everything's kind of coming full circle right now. All right, let's go to the podium for Memphis. Lucas will go now 
and this is the 2023 NBA Draft, the Memphis Grizzlies select Marcus Sasser from the University of Houston. All right, so Marcus Sasser, they're showing his highlights right now on that Oregon court. I just, you know, this is uh, this is one of my favorite guys in in the draft. I I really like Marcus Sasser quite a bit. As you try to appeal to Aaron, Maloney no, I was, just, just, I was like, happy to see that my mic is still on after yeah, that. He didn't see the look I got. No, whatever. He's he's one of my favorite guys in the draft. He can really he can really really shoot. He's a forty percent uh, above forty percent three point shooter, but he's just a smaller guard who is really tenacious defensively and can score a bit, but over dribbles at times, and the reason why I'm going on about this is I believe it's actually going to be Detroit who is going to wind up with him here. I, I believe they're trading up. Those are the reports that are coming in right now, so it could be not Martin Williams' new point guard by any means, but he goes in the backcourt with Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham. They're going to have a lot of good ball handlers there, and Sasser's another one. He was another guy that I was looking at for the Suns where if they could get into the early to mid-30s, I really liked him quite a bit. Uh, we're 25 picks in, Kellen. So through all these, I would like you to... to I. I believe you've written poetry about each player, and you're going to read it now. No, no? Um, <laughs> can you go through and, and Come on, just quick haiku, like two or three guys that that are picks that you like, whether it's the fit, the player, whatever. And Victor Wembanyama is not a name you can go with. with. Man, I I give them props every year, but I really liked Casey Wallace going to Oklahoma City at ten. Um, I just feel like. All Oklahoma City is targeting right now is what the future of the league is, which is versatile ball handlers. Like, if you're not a ball handler who can, this sounds stupid because they're all professional basketball players at the highest level, but pass, dribble, and shoot. But there are guys in the league who can't do all three of those things at a pretty high level. But it seems like with, you look at Oklahoma City and getting giddy, you look at even just like their acquisitions and the player that Shea has kind of developed into and the guys that they've been targeting in the past, they just keep getting these guys that are just skilled and can do a lot of things on the floor, defend a lot of positions, they're long. And Cason Wallace is one of my favorite prospects in this draft because you watch him and the way that he defends, he defends a lot with his strength and he's 6'3". And like that, that's instantly Drew Holiday, right? That's the yes. only kind of guard that really does that in the league. So for him to be able to be compared to someone that unique just makes me really promising. And we always love a Kentucky guard because, man, Kentucky guards come out of the, come into the draft and you're like, ah, I don't know, like they kind of had a down year. And it's like, okay, we said that about Jamal Murray. We said that about Devin Booker. We said that about Shea Gildress Alexander. Isn't it maybe a Kentucky? And Cason Wallace didn't really have that prolific or proficient of a year scoring or, or producing really for Kentucky, but it's been more or less a trend with Kentucky guards and you always feel better about them as well. I liked him in OKC. I like Jordan Hawkins in New Orleans. That's another potential contender in the West. Just a really, really good shooter and glue guy. And that's a team where, yes, that's just what you need because you have CJ McCollum, you have Brandon Ingram, you ha- have Zion Williamson. Kind of. You have half of them. You have Zion. You don't Maybe. Have no, you got half. two and a half of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, those, those, were, those were two. <laughs> 7.55, uh, ladies and gentlemen, go. PM. Right. That's what you get with Vince Marana. Yeah. 7.55 p.m. instead of a.m. And if you want to hear him again, tune in in like an hour when his show they starts. they got to give you a medal at the end of the day in radio if you do 7.55 a.m. and p.m. Yeah, like you got to get some sort of silver. Can what we get I, that worked what, out? What out was there? I thinking saying yes to that? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> did you say yes? Uh, I did. Oh, okay. Um, to, uh, to your point that you made on, on Sasser ending up in Detroit, Detroit's quietly having a very, very nice night. Asar, Asar Thompson, it's hard for me to say. I, I should practice that before next year. Uh, <laughs> they do Thompson play at five and getting Marcus Sasser. Cade Cunningham back after playing only a handful of games last year. 
Uh, Monty Williams has got some some fun uh, fun tools to work with there, I think. Yeah, he does. Um, and I want to get some more of those names you were talking about here in just a second, Kellen, but we're going to go to break. We are up with pick 26, the Indiana Pacers on the clock here when we come back. It is the uh, NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NBA Draft. Is your exclusive home for Phoenix Suns basketball, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, NBA Draft Special. All right, we are at pick number 27 of the first round. The Charlotte Hornets on the clock at this exact moment. Luke Lipinski, Vince Murata, Kellen Olson here with your NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pacers just took Ben Shepard out of Belmont, the guard. So that was the 26th pick. The most recent one before that was Marcus Sasser to Memphis at 25, although he's going to Detroit, it sounds like. Right, Kellen? Yeah, and Luke, something that we talked about in the last couple of weeks that could be a possibility for the Suns, the Milwaukee Bucks just did it. They got the 36th overall pick for a 2030 second-round pick in cash. So essentially just paid for a second-round pick at 36. We talked about that earlier uh, in the show with, with Gambo and just how their their options are limited right now just because they sent $3.5 million to Washington per Gambo uh, as part of that deal. So that puts them down to around a million and a half, two million dollars left because teams are only allowed to have an allotted amount of cash that they can trade each year. So it might not be enough to get a pick. I mean, we'll see, though. We, we've got some time here. They've got 52 coming up and they could trade up at, at some point here. We'll see. Yeah, the other part of all the picks that they don't have now after tonight through 2030 is those are trade chips that you don't have either. So it's going to be a lot harder to get trades done after you either deal or decide not to deal. Uh, DeAndre Ayton Let's go to the podium for Charlotte's pick. Let's go back to the podium. With the 27th pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Nick Smith Jr. from the University of Arkansas. Bobby Marks, play a profile. A shifty combo guard with a high motor, Smith Jr. is a high-level shot creator, especially off the dribble. He showed terrific touch on floaters, runners, and pull-ups. An active defender with quick hands. All right, so second player from Arkansas in the uh, first round here tonight. we got three picks left in the first round. Okay, Vince, you haven't heard this cut yet. Okay. I would assume, since you're doing the show with us, you're not watching the draft coverage and listening to the audio. Or maybe you are, I don't know. Um... Kellen's heard it. I've heard it. We're going to play it for you, so you can try to make sense of this, too. Okay. I think I know what he's saying, even though I'm okay. not. So this is J.J. Redick during the coverage tonight, okay? All right. Mikel Bridges was offered for the number three pick tonight. Mikel Bridges had multiple teams offering four, five first-round picks last year. What do you make of that? <laughs> I think he. I think what he was trying to say, he said backwards, right? But am I not to assume that was... Portland offered the number three pick for Mikel Bridges tonight. So Zach Lowe, that, that's Zach, the way I took it. Okay, yeah, Zach Lowe referred to it on his podcast earlier this week that he he didn't fly out say the offer was out there, but insinuated that like three and Anthony Simons was offered at some point to Brooklyn. Wow. And then of course we remember those stories coming out in February where it's like, oh my gosh, is Mikel Bridges going to stay in Brooklyn? They're getting all these. Oh my gosh, someone offered four first round picks for him. Sounds like Brooklyn is committed to Mikel Bridges, which they should be, because when you trade someone like Kevin Durant, you don't get lucky that often with another premier talent, but that's what it looks like Mikel is to me, at least. But there's also been a lot of stories this offseason about the the budding friendship uh, between 
Damian Lillard and, and Mikel Bridges. And I wonder if that was another attempt to, to pacify Damian Lillard to keep him in Portland. And, and once the smoke from the draft clears, what does the future look like? Again, Scoot Henderson was the pick for Portland at number three. And that very much seems like a youth movement. It does. I'm sure if you're Damian Lillard, you'd much rather have Mikel Bridges than a rookie guard. Um, but that, if you so, wanted- Damian Lillard ends up in Brooklyn then. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you just if you if you take it back, because I know Suns fans are going to do this, and it makes sense, I would do it too. A lot of Suns fans that still wish they had Mikel Bridges, yeah. because of the way the season ended, and I get it, and he was already a fan favorite. Um, now you got teams, in theory, offering Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson for Mikel Bridges. <laughs> like that's not gonna, it's not gonna quiet yeah. the Mikel fans. No, but that's to Kellen's point. That shows how committed Brooklyn is. Yeah. that's a that's a pretty good offer. And how much value Mikel Bridges has yes. on, on his own, yes. right? Like again, Scoot Henderson was a guy that for months now we've been talking about. Not months, but ever since the lottery, when it's looked like potentially he wasn't going to go number two. That number three pick was having a lot of conversations held about it because of the potential teams. Could move up to get Scoot Henderson, and it looks like Brooklyn um, wasn't going to be one because they wanted Mikel Bridges. Uh, let's go back to the podium for Utah's pick. With the 28th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Utah Jazz select Bryce Sensabaugh from the Ohio State University. Bobby Marks, play a profile. High-level shooter from deep in the mid-range area. Sensabaugh has elite mechanics, quick release, and polished footwork. He uses his strength to create space for a shot, creates off the dribble, and can finish through contact. I think that's a very Sensabaugh pick. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but um, uh, 805, Vinny Mariah, everyone. Oh, my. Goodness. This is what happens when Vince doesn't drive. He just starts. It, it actually happens. It happens all. Too. No, it happens all the time on yeah. draft shows. Yeah. People realizing they really <laughs> like it when you say that kind of thing because Jared's not going to say something even stupider after it. It just feels good the first time. <laughs> well, he will say it after. It'll it. just be ten hours from now. It won't be right. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, stupider you, not a word. Do you think Ohio stupid. State has to grease the commissioner to have him say the? That's, you know, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> you could have just said Ohio State University. You don't have to say the Ohio State University. All right, so we only got two picks left in the first round of this draft. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to this this uh, chart that came out earlier today um, when Field Yates, yes, the football Field Yates, wow. tweeted out the uh, the Suns' next eight drafts. Oh. And um, <laughs> so, if you got the second rounder tonight, and then after tonight, all the way through 2030, you don't have any more second round picks. You've got four first round picks. People do seem to forget that yes, they have the, first round picks. They, they have them. They, they didn't. They can only. They, they only gave up four. Yeah. Only four. <laughs> you can't give up any more than four. But what you can do is turn those four into pick swaps, and they've done that too. The Suns have maxed out their picks through twenty thirty more than I ever remember seeing another team do, because this is as much as you can max it out, right? There's not anything else you can do. You- well, the the big change now is that starting next offseason, I believe you cannot buy second-round picks anymore. You cannot include cash and trades with the second apron. So that they just making default- rules to stop the Phoenix Suns? Because it feels like it. It was, was pretty awful timing, i got to admit. They dealt with not a lot of this at all in the Robert Sarver era, to say the least, and all of a sudden they start spending some money in the league. It's like, hold on a second over there. But it's more about the Clippers and the Warriors. Another yeah. second apron ramification though, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure you know it a lot better than I do, Kellen, but if you're over the second second apron in three or five years, 
your your draft pick, regardless of where that falls in the first round, gets pushed to the bottom of of, of the first round. So sure you could be picking tenth, and it could turn into thirtieth. And I think twenty thirty two is the earliest that could happen. Is that correct? I believe so. That's so much math right now. My yes. head's about to explode. <laughs> yeah, but oh my god! So it extends even, be here for eight more hours even to tonight. what Field Yates outlined. It it's it potentially extends further than that. And let's face it, they're going to be over that second acre, apron in three of the next five years. <laughs> yes, it's like Matt Ishbia has taken it as a personal challenge to create a third apron in the NBA. It's like when he barbecues, he wears two aprons. Hey, hey wow, <laughs> this guy he'll be here all week. Eight oh seven, everyone. <laughs> Vinny Marotta. We should travel on the road. And I'll say nothing funny. Vince will say stuff, and then Kellen will say what time it is. What kind of act would that There's be? There's a reason why I wanted you to drive this show, Luke. <laughs> so I told could, you I'd give you gas money. So you could launch <laughs> your, your comedy career finally here tonight on June 22nd of 2023. Um, all right, so are you concerned at all about the fact that the Suns aren't involved in the next seven drafts other than the first-round pick every other year? And, and let me just say this. They haven't really been that involved in the last couple drafts. No, they, they haven't. I don't think so. I think that this was the risk that we all kind of knew was coming. It was just strange to see the reactions come in because I don't, I guess when it was tweeted with the Bradley Beal stuff, the second round picks, it was a handful of them. And then it was some swaps since they weren't listed out specifically. People didn't get the weight of it necessarily, but some of these swaps like 2024 shouldn't matter at all. 2026 shouldn't matter. Again, the Wizards are going to clean it out. It looks like Like they've got Kuzma's the only guy left to sort out. And then other than that, like their whole rosters, I saw, I saw that stat the other day is that Denny Abdia is our longest tenured player right now and he's 22 years old I believe Wow, was a stat I saw there so they're going to take a while 2028 is when it could start to maybe factor in but that has some uh, layers to it it's the worst pick of Brooklyn Philly or Phoenix so it shouldn't really affect Phoenix there either 2030 is where it comes in so I really think that it's only one swap that'll matter and then it's six second round picks but I mean the, the second round picks were important but we're talking about Bradley Beal again like you just have to keep reminding yourself yes. that they're going to have two top 10 players and then a top 30 player on their team. Like they, It was all worthwhile. It's just got to result in a championship, that's, of course. It, that, that's the bottom line. Kellen hit it last, and it's the, the exact first point I had was, do they win a championship? Yeah. Because then you don't worry about it. The the end justifies the means. If they win a championship, I'll, I will print out this Field Yates tweet and just hang it like a banner in the studio <laughs> as a constant <laughs> reminder. All right, let's go to the Pacers picking 29th in the end. With the 29th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Indiana Pacers select Julian Strother from Gonzaga University. Gonzaga. So this is the pick that's actually going to Denver. Remember, Denver made the uh, the trade earlier this week where yes. they acquired 29 and I believe 37 from India, maybe 29 and 32. Not exactly sure. Strother was a guy that I was looking at second round fits at 52 and Strother was pretty much ranked in the 40s. So this is going to be considered a bit of a reach, but you guys are going to roll your eyes at this just like you did with the Pajemski tweet. They put a really, really, really good shooter around Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. One of the best shooters uh, in this draft class that I saw. He's 6'8", six, 6'9". There's big-time athleticism concerns with him on both offense and defense. Specifically on defense, he looked lost a lot of the time. But the kid can really, really shoot, and he's got two unreal playmakers to play off of there in Denver. So that's one pick down for Denver. We're looking at 32 and I believe 37 again and seeing if they can add someone who potentially might have to replace Bruce Brown. I saw someone already kind of looking and and guessing with what we talked about Sacramento earlier, them opening up cap space. Are they a Bruce Brown team all of a sudden? There's kind of some wonder out there in terms of the market 
for Bruce Brown because yes, he said money isn't everything, but yeah, until when someone offers you yeah, eighteen million as opposed to eight, <laughs> that's when you start to look at it a little bit differently. I assume money doesn't have to be everything to for ten million dollars to still uh, be pretty meaningful. All right, and if like, it's Sacramento, Bruce Brown's going into a situation not only where he's doubling his salary at least, but also playing for a team that could contend. Team. But yeah. not not a team with the Murray twins though. That was ruined yeah. by Portland. <sighs> Thanks, Portland. So we, close. We had a nice story going. Anti-family Portland Trailblazers. Portland. Yeah, you heard it here first. Start printing those banners. All right, we come back. Final pick of the first round. Luke Lipinski, Vince Murata, Kellen Olsen here. It's the NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NBA Draft Special. Special. The Phoenix Suns select. The home of the Suns. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back. Final segment of our NBA draft special. I would assume, I mean, unless the Clippers take a long time to announce the 30th pick alongside Vince Murata and Kellen Olsen. I'm Luke Lipinski. Kellen, how late do you think you'll be here tonight? I was just telling Kevin, I was like, I don't think we're leaving until at least 11 now. You always do that. You're always like, oh, the draft's three hours. And then yeah. you're like, oh, no, the first round's three hours. And the Suns pick towards the end of the second round. We've got two-way signings to watch out for. I mean, we're, we're sitting here kind of joking about it, but two-way signings have suddenly kind of become important for them. And if, for people that aren't familiar, once the draft starts around this point in the night, this is where we start to see the possibility of guys slipping in the second round. And at that point, guys kind of make their way to destinations on two-way contracts as opposed to getting drafted. Like, I like Lou Dort, for example, out of Oklahoma City. You remember that night, Vinny? Like, mm-hmm. We kept waiting. We're like, where is he going? Where is he going? And then we later learn he wanted to go to OKC. He wanted to sign a two-way there. There were teams that wanted to draft him, but he was like, I'm, I'm going to OKC. I'm going to get this quick contract that gets me out. I'm going to get playing time right away, and I'm going to make a lot more money. And now he's making $20 million a year. Yeah, so he, he did really it very well. well. For Lou, yeah, he, yeah he, he did it certainly very well. So watch for those tonight because there's a wave of about 15 to 20 of the best undrafted guys immediately. The Suns have really never gotten in on this wave typically, but they're going to, I would assume, tonight because like we've been talking about for the whole show, like they don't have many avenues of getting better right now. Let's go to the podium for the final pick of the first round. With the 30th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the L.A. Clippers select... Kobe Brown from the University of Missouri. I believe that is the... And that concludes the first round. Thank you again to all the fans. No, thank you. Especially those here at the Barclays Center. Oh, yay. The second round of the NBA draft will be conducted by Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum. Enjoy the rest of the night. I love the three NBA fans there. Like we're like, yeah, Mark Tatum. (laughs) Mark Tatum always gets applause. (laughs) Bring him out. All right. Second player named Kobe drafted tonight. Another guy I had down in the second round targets. He was somewhere from like thirty to fifty on big boards, and he goes a little bit earlier uh, than expected here. I I like his game a lot. I I like that pick for the Clippers. Kellen, back to what you were saying. The importance of of getting two way players here now potentially. I mean, the Suns, you would think, would be the prime candidate to be talking to players and saying, like, hey, look, just don't get drafted and we'll we'll pick you up because they need them and they can offer playing time potentially, yeah. at least the opportunity. No, you can come here and if you're 
if you do enough in training camp and show us like what you're, you could get rotation minutes right away on one of the best teams in the league. Like uh, that is not. We talked about Oklahoma City earlier. That was on terrible basketball teams where Lou Dort got some experience. These guys could get experience on an, one of the best teams in the league, one of the title favorites in the league. Like it's it's very appealing. But I just hope the Suns are for their sake and like the sake of us for the people who cover their team that they're aggressive with it because they just haven't been in the past. They haven't signed a guy immediately after after the draft on these two ways yet. And in general, two ways they haven't been that active. I mean, it doesn't help that they don't have a G League team, but it sounds like Matt Ishbia is going to be fixing that in due time and uh, getting aggressive with the two ways. Like I said, it's, it's an important part of the night. I know people are rolling their eyes at it, but it is. It, it really does matter. Vince, it would make a lot more sense if I were a talented NBA rookie, which I'm not. But if I were, it would make a lot more sense to go play for the Phoenix Suns than to go 37th to Oklahoma City and be their 37th rookie or young player on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said earlier, Luke, makes sense not only to to latch onto a good team, but a good team you can, if you perform, you could play. You can actually have a role on a team that could compete for a championship. That's, That's a pretty rare thing, so... We'll see how attractive that can be, potentially. While we have Kellen here, do you want to run through some of the guys they may bring back before we wrap up the show here? Sure. All right. I don't know why we're talking about Kellen like he can't hear us. <laughs> hey, Kellen. <laughs> Let's just do 6-10. to 10. I mean, Vinny did 6-10 to 10 once already today. Might as well do it again, right? Let's keep doing it. pain look on Vince's face? Sleep, schmeep. Nobody needs sleep Who were the guys? Uh, just uh, Suns players that, that yeah. were on this team. Who do you, like? Well, maybe like two or three. I, well, I that's Josh where and Kogi back. That's Can part of him? where it gets interesting. Maybe we'll oh. see. It. One of the one of the main terms to learn is bird rights. That means mm-hmm. that the Suns can give a guy a lot more money than they typically would be able to in this situation. Helps guys get retained. Something Chris Paul talked about focusing on in his career that wound up being important. They could overpay someone like Tory Craig and give him nine million dollars when he's not worth nine million dollars. But all of a sudden at the trade deadline, you've got an expiring deal worth nine million. Dollars and, and you can use it on the trade market in that kind of way. So there are ways that they can be creative about retaining guys in terms of paying them, but also just bringing back the guys that make sense. I think Tory makes sense. I think Jock makes sense. I do think that Josh Okogie makes sense. Nice. But man, do you remember going into the playoffs? We were talking about like, man, is he going to get like ten or fifteen million dollars a year this year? Like that's how well he was playing, and then the playoffs came up and he struggled there, and his flaws showed. But I think that he's shown that he's worth more than the veterans minimum. But again, to our conversation earlier on two way guys, Josh Okogie could maybe start depending on the way this thing, whole thing pans out. like He's yeah. a guy that's certainly going to be in the running for minutes, at least, if he comes back, and that's something for him to consider and a lot of these guys to consider. I've always liked Damian Lee. I haven't heard his name mentioned that much, so I'm not sure if he's going to be coming back at no, all. He, he might, wants to come back. I, he might get more money, though, somewhere else. Like I, I felt like they, they got him there earlier, so I'm not, I'm not really sure how they got him last year, to be honest, on the minimum. I thought he was going to go for more than that. He came yeah. in and played a role last year. We'll Shot see. Shot 44% from three-point range, too. It, it does feel like the writing's on the wall for guys like TJ Warren and Terrence Ross, right? just with the direction Vogel and, and what they're going to be going in, the amount of offense that they have on this team already. So like that's kind of the thing. Uh, Ish Wainwright campaign, it seems like they'll be back. They'll be important pieces going forward, at least until we know what this roster looks like. That's the thing. We're talking about hierarchy and like, how much better did the Warriors get? It's like, I don't know. What do the Nuggets look like in three weeks? What do the Warriors look like in three weeks? What do the Suns look like in three weeks? We'll have to wait yeah. three weeks. Yeah. Wow, look at that tease for three weeks. All right. Uh, and Let's just stay on the air for the next three weeks. <laughs> I'm looking at two. Who I'm do you look- think would last the longest between the three of us? Well, Who do you think would have it? Kellen's like Either one of you. Go. Kellen's starting to ramp up. Well, I haven't done a whole here. radio show plus this one today. Vince's so kind of like winding you, down. Like you superheroes. So, like, I don't know what I'm doing there. I'm oddly comfortable with this, but I don't have to be back here in, like, six hours. So, uh, in, in, in honor of preserving Vince Murata for tomorrow's show. All right. I'll just hold it down for the next ten hours, Vinny, until you're in here again at 
at 6 a.m. All right, right, I got it. All appreciate right, it. Stay here. Right, we're out here. Now, is sure there a sleeping bag somewhere? The second we leave, DeAndre Ayton will get traded in the second <laughs> round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Lauren Koval for doing everything behind the glass. For Vince Murata, for Kellen Olson, for Kevin Zimmerman, I'm Luke Lipinski. You've been listening to the Arizona Sports NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.